Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. I want to be a part of everything that God's doing. See, it was some time ago, I was in the middle of a worship atmosphere, a little bit like we had tonight. And as I was worshiping God, I was just about to get up to speak. I got this picture of a dog that we had growing up. Uh, This dog has since passed away, but it was this big, fat, fluffy dog uh, that we owned. In fact, my mum used to overfeed it. Uh, It was a hungry dog. It had an appetite like no other, which was always good if you didn't like the food uh, that was presented to you because guaranteed this dog was under the table and it would just require you to go like that and and Brussels sprouts were gone in Jesus' name. And uh, so, so, so it was good on, on that thing. But uh, one thing this dog did, it used to overeat so much that it would throw up. Like, you know, it would just, it'd just throw up. But not only would it throw up, it would go to its vomit and then it would lick the vomit up. How many have seen that before? Yeah, I've seen it. It's, it's disgusting. And so in the middle of this anointed worship moment, I'm getting a picture of this dog that I used to own, uh, not just eating, but throwing up and licking the vomit. And, and I'm going, what's up with that? And then I felt the Holy Spirit say, hey, there's a scripture in the Bible. So I quickly got out my Bible, went to the back to the concordance, looked up vomit. <laughs> And found there's a verse in Second Peter, which talks about a people who have known a way of righteousness, but have got enslaved with sin. And how they have ended up in a worse off place than they were before. And the picture it gives, it gives is like a, people who do that are like a wash pig returning to the mud or a dog returning to its vomits. I want to say there's no other way but forward in Jesus' name. Come on, you will mess up your life if you stay stationary. Uh, we're here to pursue the promise of God. We're here to have a spirit like Caleb had. He says, give me this mountain. Doesn't matter what age you are. Doesn't matter what stage you're at. You've got a mountain to possess in Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe that, say amen. Amen. If you got your Bible tonight, let's go to Joshua chapter 15. Joshua 15 verse 14. It says, from Hebron, Caleb drove out three. How many? Come on, how many tonight he drove out? Three Anakites, Shishai, Ahaman, and Talmai, the sons of Anak. Now, this seems a pretty irrelevant verse, but these three guys, these three sons of Anak, were actually occupying the place that God had promised Caleb. They were in possession of it. I love Caleb because he lived out what he declared 45 years ago was possible. When he declared it, many people doubted. Many people said that could never happen. But at this moment, it was like he was saying, hey, just take a look at me now. I'm living in that which I declared. 
In fact, when I first started leading the church in Auckland, I got a prophecy that stated that some of my best leaders, some of the best leaders in Equippers Church aren't even saved yet. Do you know, right when I received that prophecy, not, uh, not long after it, there was a few guys who got saved who are now leading significant churches in the Equippers movement. Pastor Barrett Ruakiri, who, who leads our Monaco campus, got saved two months after I received that prophetic word. Ed Moore, who leads our Gisborne campus, got saved six months later. How many know God's true to His word? And just because you haven't seen it come to pass yet, doesn't mean it's not going to happen. God's not a lie. If He's promised it, it will come to pass. See, see, I, I love Caleb because he didn't leave this earth with unlived theories. He didn't let you know, the, the word just be a word out there. He had a determination in his spirit that he was going to possess it. See, you see, both all of us here, you and I have our life and then we have our unlived life. Uh, we have our life up to this period and point in time, but then we have what's ahead of us. I, I want to declare tonight that what, ahead of you is greater than what's behind you. Come on, the Bible promises that the latter shall be greater than the former. A modern way of saying that is the best is yet to come. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say the best is yet to come. The best. See, I'm sure at the age of 85, he was thinking maybe I've passed it. and Maybe it'll never happen. Uh, maybe I missed my moment. You know, there must have been questions going through his mind. H have I still got it? Have I, have I still got what it takes? Or, or maybe it just wasn't meant to be. How many know you don't need to be 85 to have those questions go through your mind? And in fact, many of us have got those questions in our mind right now. Because those questions go through your head just when you've been let down when something hasn't worked out, when people criticize you, or maybe when you feel a lack of support. Talk about not having support. Caleb was just two. He was one of two out of millions who believed God could do something great. The rest believed the negative report of the 10. But Caleb, it says in the Bible, had a different spirit. I pray as a church, as a people, we'd be known for having a different spirit. Uh, it's easy to be negative today. It's not difficult to point out where there's problems. Man, we've got problems all over the show. In fact, as a church, how many know we've got issues? Uh, we all got issues because we're all a work in progress. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to point out that we've got issues, but it takes somebody who's anointed and called of God to bring the solution to those problems. You know, so many people sit on the sidelines of church and they can criticize what's not happening rather than recognizing that God's called you and I to be the answer. See, see uh, the issue with the Israelites and those who didn't possess their problem was how they saw themselves. 
uh, they saw themselves as insignificant. They saw themselves as inferior. In fact, they saw themselves as grasshoppers. You know, it was almost like looking at a picture of a grasshopper and going, oh, that's me. You know, you're nothing like a grasshopper. You know, and so often we see ourselves from the wrong perspective. See, see, one thing the giants will do is they will intimidate you. A giant is out there and the enemy uses them to attack your identity. You gotta understand, giants right now are occupying your place of promise. They're occupying your destiny. But I love Caleb's perspective. When he looked at the giant, as I said this morning, he saw them as bread. How many know uh, we're called to eat giant for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Some of us need to upsize our meal. We're just having grasshopper portions. Uh, But God wants to give you a a giant portion. Come on, giants are part of the stable diet of a believer. Come on, when was the last time that you had giant for uh, dinner? When was the last time? See, if you haven't tasted giant lately, your dream's too small. I want to say that if you haven't tasted giant, you're thinking within the realms of what you can do. See, people who have small dreams are missing God's purpose for their life. I don't see how you can serve a big God and have a small dream. When you understand who God is, you understand that God wants to do something big through your life. See, to to have a small dream is to limit God to your capacity, to your capabilities. It's to limit God to what you can do. But as believers, we're we're to lean into Him. How many know, uh, when my daughters go shopping, they don't go shopping through the eyes of their own resources. Uh, They don't look at their bank account when they look at items of clothes. They're thinking about how much money, come on, how many parents out there know what I'm saying? They're thinking how much money has their parents have got. So often as Christians, what we do is we know it comes to dreaming, we dream according to what we have and what we can do. Come on, we need to go shopping in the Spirit. We need to carry a God dream in Jesus' name. Come on, God's got something big for you. And I love what Paul said in Philippians 4, verse 19. He says, and my God shall meet all your needs according to, according to. Here's a standard He's gonna meet your needs with. He he meets our needs according to, He's setting the standard according to His riches and glory. How many know there's no shortage in heaven? God right now is not rationing supplies. Hey, Michael, Gabriel, we haven't got enough. They're asking too much. They're believing for two bigger things. It's like, oh man, what are we going to do? We're running out. Uh, There's no shortage. There's no lack. And in God, we should never fear not having enough. If God's purposed it, if He's promised it, it will become our reality. And we've got to understand that the giants aren't outside of us. Uh, The issue we're facing right now is not 
the circumstances we're facing in our daily life. Our problems aren't outside of us. As New Testament believers, our giants are in our heads and in our hearts. And just like Caleb, we need to drive them out. We need to give them an eviction notice because they've been living rent-free for too long and we've been feeding them. What we've got to understand is God's given us everything we need to live in His promise. He doesn't need to do another thing. He's already won the victory. We just need to walk in it. And I love the fact that He drove out. He drove out the three sons of Anak. I really believe by the end of tonight, we're going to drive out some giants. We're going to say, no longer are they going to occupy the place that God's promised me. I just quickly want to to give you three things, three thoughts that we need to drive out of our head and out of our heads and out of our hearts. See, see, giants will always attack, number one, your identity, who you are. Question I want to ask you tonight, as I did this morning, is are you still amazed by grace? Are you still amazed by grace? Are you moving forward? Because of God's grace. See, see, God's grace isn't just something that redeems your past. See, many people today, they understand what they're being saved from. I've been saved from my past. I've been saved from my mistakes. I've been saved from this. But still, very few Christians understand what they're being saved to. You're being saved to a full life. You're being saved to... A life that's blessed. You're safe too. See, God's grace is God's empowering presence. God doesn't just save us from our past. He empowers us to live a new life. I want to declare tonight that you're better than you think you are. You are better than you think you are. See, the problem in today's society is many people today are living for identity. Like if I do this, I'll be accepted. Even in church, it can happen. If I do that, get involved, I'll be accepted. No, you're already accepted. You're already, and many people are living for identity rather than from identity. I just quickly want to show you some key things in Scripture. Let's go to Romans chapter 4. If you've got your Bible, come on, we're opening the Bible together. How many know it has the power to change our lives? And when it comes to church, I'm not just a preacher on a stage. We're doing this together in Jesus' name. In Romans 4 verse 1, it says, What shall we say? That Abraham, our father, come on, Father Abraham, and many sons, many sons, said Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right, um, right. Um, no, we won't go through the whole lot. Okay, you got the picture. He's the father of faith. What shall we say there? Abraham, our father, has found according to the flesh. Then it goes on. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. Verse 3. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. 
What, what did Abraham do? He believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Let's go on. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. That's good news, isn't it? Come on, that's good news. I love the fact that God sold Abraham an impossible dream. He was in his old age and he said to Abraham, hey, you got no kids. Look up to the heavens. Count the stars if you're able and so your descendants shall be. Now, now that's a crazy thing. Abraham's in his 80s. When God tells him that, that's like you and I going into a retirement village, finding an old couple in their 80s and say, hey, guess what? I've got a prophetic word for you. God's told me you're going to have children and a whole lot of them. How many know that's, that's out there? If you said that to that old couple, you'd probably get a slap around the face today. But Abraham didn't respond that way. He responded to that impossible dream by believing in God. And the Bible says he believed in God. And because he believed in God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, a lot of people don't understand this. How do I know? Because if they did, they would want Jesus. See, you've got to understand this. Accounted for righteousness simply means sin was taken out of his account and righteousness was put into the account. It was done by simply what? By simply believing. He believed and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, now, how many know when it comes to God, God's standard is not good. God's standard is perfect. Now, now most people in this place don't think of themselves as bad. You know, I, I wanna ask a question. How many here would say they've broken every one of God's laws? Lift up your hand if you've broken every one of God's laws. Okay, a few people say that. Okay, the second question I want to ask is, how many would say that you've slipped in, uh, slipped in one or two before? Lift up your hand. Oh, okay. Okay, uh, most, most people put, yeah, I've slipped in. If you didn't lift your hand for one of those questions, you're deluded, I want to say. Because <laughs> none of us are perfect. None of us have all got, uh, got it together. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yeah, uh, but let's look what James says. James says this, he says, for whoever keeps the whole law, yet stumbles at just one point, is guilty of breaking it all. So again, I'm going to ask the question, how many are guilty of breaking every one of God's commands? Oh, that's a bit better here. See, here's the problem. A lot of us don't think of ourselves, oh, we're not that bad. I'm not doing bad. You know, oh, you know, I'm not as bad as they are. That. But how many know if we're stumbled in one point, we're guilty of the whole lot. See, we're guilty. And, and many of us think, well, I'm all right. I'm not doing anything bad. Well, the question is, are you doing anything good? See, see we don't understand this righteousness deal. And when we don't understand it, what we do is we put our identity in the wrong things. Now, now, here, how many here grew up in a Christian family? That's me. I grew up in a Christian family. 
I don't get up to much trouble. In fact, I've never smoked a cigarette, never taken drugs, never got drunk. You know, you know, I married my first and only girlfriend. You know, I don't. But how many know that doesn't earn me righteousness? How many here had had a bit of a past before they got saved? Yeah, yeah, you got up to some. Now, now, now. Here, many people can look at that and go, well, well, man, you, you hear people, man, I've got a testimony. Here's the deal. We've all got a testimony. Uh, what what you've got to understand, I, I had to realize this growing up. You know, so often I hear testimonies and I go, man, I haven't done any of that stuff. Uh, but how many know I didn't need to do it to be saved from it? See, I was saved from drugs. Just because I've never taken drugs doesn't mean I haven't been saved from it. Yeah, and, and, and when it comes to salvation, there's only one type. Oh, you hear people say, oh, they radically got saved. No, <laughs> there's no other salvation. It's all radical. It's all radical. But what we do is we think, oh, well, Christian, they've got righteousness, righteousness. You know, if R stands for righteousness, you know, R, R, righteous, righteous deed, righteous deed, righteous deed. Yeah, nobody's perfect. Everybody sins, lies a little, sin, sin, S for sin. And then we think of somebody who's had a bit of a past and we've got sin, 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 sin. But they're not all that bad. They've got a few righteous things in their accounts. You know, I've got a few righteous things in the account. And then we look at Jesus. And how many know when it comes to Jesus, there's just one big R. He right, he's righteous. Right, righteous. But, but we make a comparison between these two people. Uh, could it be that the R's in the Christian family's home growing up person's account don't stand for righteousness, but they actually stand for rags. Let me explain. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6. Isaiah 64, 6 says, And all our righteousness, or a different version, but let's roll with this. All of us have become like the one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like... I like that. Well, well, they like filthy rags. But many of us think, well, look what I'm doing. You know, if an unrighteous person does righteous deeds, does that make them righteous? No. If a, if a, a righteous person does unrighteous deeds, does that make them bad? Come on, I'm challenging you right now. <laughs> see, 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 what you got to understand in all this is God took the righteousness out of his own son's account. And he placed the sin of the world in his son's account. That's why he was crucified. Yeah, good people have sin in their account. Bad people have sin in their account. Abraham sin, you sin, I sin. Don't look at me like you don't. <laughs> but here's what happened. You've got to get this because this will keep you amazed with grace. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, he, he says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. 
So He made Him sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. See, it was the blood of Jesus that erased our sin completely. Not just our sin, but the sin of the world. Now, now this might sound shocking, but, but you've got to understand this. People don't go to hell for their sin. Jesus has already paid the price for the sin of the world. People don't go to sin, because, uh, go to hell because of their sin. Uh, they go to hell because of their unbelief. See, see, the work of God is not to strive, but it's to believe. See, see, some of us, we can sit in church and we can hear this, but we're still working for our identity. If I do this, I'll become accepted. No, you're already accepted. You just need to put your belief in Jesus. And what the enemy is after, he's after your righteousness. You're better than you think you are. Some of you need to realize that. You are better than you think you are. See, the enemy wants to load you with guilt, with shame, with condemnation. That's some of his biggest weapons that he uses against the people of God. You did this. What makes you think you can do that? You know, he reminds us. But the good news today is there's freedom. And that freedom comes from believing. How many know? Accountants, what do they do? They account. Engineers, they engineer. Managers, manage. Sinners, some of you are going, oh, I'm just a sinner. And you're wondering why you still struggle with sin. No, by faith, I am the righteousness of God. Righteous people do. It just flows from their life. Doesn't mean I don't sin. No, I still muck it up, but my identity and my confidence is in the righteousness of God. Not my good works, least I boast. Come on, you're better than you think you are. Come on, and that should be very freeing to you right now because you're better, some of us have believed things that are not true. You can't earn it. You're better than you think you are. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm better than I think I am. You're amazing. I want to show you. You're amazing. Number two, second thing. The second giant that we need to work on is, is what we can do. Uh, when it comes to our gifts and our call, uh, how many know? When your identity is not in the righteousness of God, you'll try and get your security from other sources. You try and get your security through what you do, your accomplishments, your achievements. And, and the enemy will try and get you to place your identity in your talents or lack of talent. He'll try and get you to compare your gift. Aren't you glad that we're all made unique? I thank God we're not all clones. You're not all me. Thank you, Jesus. And we're not all like you. Uh, we're unique. We've been given different, different gifts and talents, but we're all a reflection of God. Uh, some of you look at your gifts and you think they're insignificant, but you've got to understand what's a gift. It's a gift. It's something that's given to you. It's like at Christmas time. It's like you unwrap a present. A little kid unwraps a present and goes, I don't like it. How, how many know among siblings, they're always comparing their presents. 
you got this, look what I got. No, just be thankful for what God's given you. Stop looking over the fence. You've got a responsibility to take that gift and use it to reflect God. Isn't it interesting today that many artists, music artists started off in church, discovered their gift, their talent in church, and they're no longer using their talent and gift to glorify God, but they're using their gift and their talent for selfish means. You know, I, I, I wanna say, you know, you're gifted. You may not be able to sing but you've got a gift. Some people in this place are amazing at hospitality. I, I love to get to know people like that because they cook good meals. You know, some are here are gifted in administration. Some people are gifted in management. Some people are gifted in leadership. Some people are gifted in the arts. They, they have incredible gifts on their lives. In, in fact, everyone in this place has got a gift that's from heaven. Now, 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 when heaven gives you a gift, it's not like you got it from the warehouse. Come on, heaven gave it to you. It doesn't, there's no, it's not going to stop working. See, see, the problem with a lot of people is they don't understand this. They don't understand they're gifted by God to make a difference. But, but for your gift to, to have an effect on the world around it, you need to m- marry your gift with your core. You need to marry your gift with your core. You know, a gift will open doors. Proverbs tells us that. It gives us access, a gift that was your favorite. And some of you take for granted that you just can do some stuff and you think everybody can do it. Uh, no, they can't. Uh, it's a gift on your life. It's something. It's like, how do you know if it's a gift? It opens door. doors. You find favor. Uh, you don't need to put out a whole lot of business cards. There's grace and there's favor attached to your gift. How many know rhythm's a gift? Do I need to de- demonstrate by showing you I've got no rhythm? Uh, but what you've got to understand is, is, is that so often we, we think, oh, well, if I had that gift, we go, we go here I am, God, send him, send her. Uh, the more gifted. Uh, but here's the thing, a gift, a gift will open doors for you, but a call will open doors for others. And that's why so many people miss out on God's purpose is because they take their gift and they use it for themselves and they haven't married it with their call. A gift will open doors for you, but a, but, but a call will open doors for others. Come on, as the kingdom of God. If we're in the kingdom, it's all about others. Success in life is spelled O-T-H-E-R-S. Is God's blessed us. Why has He blessed us? He's blessed us to be, uh, I, I want to say, uh, you're better than you think you are. Number two, you're more talented than you think you are. You're more talented than you think you are. Number three, last one. Number, uh, number three is the enemy loves to attack what's possible, what we can do. Uh, let's go. Uh, John chapter 14. This is Jesus. Jesus. How many? No, no, nothing's impossible to those who, uh, where does our righteousness come from? It comes from our 
belief from our faith. And, and nothing is impossible to those who... So uh, the fight, the fight you're in right now is your fight to... Come on, you've got to fight for your right to... <laughs> no. <laughs> Run DMC there. It's like, you've got to fight for your right. You know, the fight that we're in is the fight to believe, if we just believe. Now, now, now look, John, John chapter 14, verse 12, it says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, believes in me. The works that I do, he will do also. How many know Jesus did some pretty cool stuff? You know, deaf hearing, blind seeing, deaf, uh, dead, coming to a life. That's pretty cool. He said, if you believe in me, you'll do those works also. You'll do that. But he didn't just stop there. He says, greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. I I don't know about you, but that blows my mind. That's out there. This is Jesus Himself saying, you won't just do what I do. And what I've done, you'll do greater, greater. Now, my girls are getting taller. In fact, my oldest one's 16 and she's almost as tall as I am. And she's all all the time coming up and measuring herself against me. It's like almost there, almost there. And you know, if she grows taller than me, I'm cool with that. I'm I'm cool with that. But you know, how many know when it comes to a parent, you want your kids to go further? Uh, that's natural. You want them to stand on your shoulders. A good parent uh, wants their ceiling to be the next generation's floor. Uh, I love the fact that I have got a generational legacy. My father, a pastor, and I, and I love the fact that I should, you know, uh, that that I should be able to do more than he's done. That that's not a slap in the face to him. Uh, that's understanding that I've got a different starting point. And as a generation coming through, we've got a responsibility to take things further. So many people are trying to protect the, the high watermark of Jesus. They're trying, but Jesus, like any good parent, they, they want their parents to do greater. They, they want, should I say, they want their children to do greater. I love that the New Testament church demonstrated this. You know, we know the story with the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years, no answers. But she just said, if I could touch the hem of His garment, I'll be healed. Now, now in the New Testament, in, in the book of Acts, we find that just handkerchiefs were sent from Paul and, and they were sent to remote places. He didn't even need to be there and people were healed. How many know that's another level? One was touching the garment. Another one was taking a garment and sending it somewhere else. You know, in fact, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 19, verse 11, it says, Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. And he says, So that even handkerchiefs and aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and their evil spirits went out of them. Uh, he worked what? Unusual miracles. Now, if He worked unusual miracles, that implies that there were usual miracles. Doesn't it? It's just miracles happening all the time. 
That, that means, you know, hey, usual miracle, blind see. Yeah, that's just, that happens every week. People getting saved. You know, it's sick. And it's leaving people. That, that's just normal. That, that's what happens every time we gather together. But then God says, hey, there's, there's the usual, but then there's the unusual. Yeah, see, I really believe God wants to work some unusual miracles. On, uh, the book of Acts gives us a pattern, sets a standard on, on what you and I can access. But so often we're just limited. Oh man, we can't even attain to what Jesus did. No, Jesus said, you shall do that and you shall do more. Come on, you're called to do more. Come on, I wanna declare to you today that you're better than you think you are. You're more talented than you think you are and you can do more than you think you can do. Come on, you can do more than you think you can do. With God, all things are possible to those who believe. You've got to understand so many people, oh, well, I just need to work on my character. And your character is important because your gift can take you where your character can't sustain you. But here's the deal. Character without grace is works. Character without grace Without us empowering presence is works. The other thing you've got to understand is gifting without calling is performance. Yeah, you can perform. We've got many performers today. They're gifted, but they haven't married it to the call to others. See, so you can impress a whole lot of people today, but just because you impress them doesn't mean you have an impact on their life. See, I, I could preach a, a message tonight and you could go, well, oh man, he, he preached a great message. That's not my desire. My desire tonight is that God would shift something on the inside of you. That you go out of this place knowing that God did a work in you. God enlarged your heart. God did something. See, your belief in a person won't change your life, but your belief in Jesus will. And I wonder whether it would be a church who would keep our focus on Jesus. You know, looking to Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of our faith. Come on, Jesus, every time we gather together, Jesus wants to break out. He wants to do something amazing in our lives. See, what can we do with Jesus? We can do all things through Him who strengthens us. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.